0: Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As we discover how to create a just society right where we are, Uh, Today we're talking about one of my favorite uh, heroes of the past, and that's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran pastor in Germany uh, during the Nazi reign in Germany in the 1930s and died uh, about a couple days, actually, short of Germany's liberation and uh, in the concentration camps. But we're talking today and looking at Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How do you deal with with the struggle to understand justice when the lines are blurred. In the 1930s, Adolf Hitler took control of Germany, and in the rage of all of the injustices that Hitler perceived to be brought upon the German people, he took power in a very deceitful manner. If you read on it, he—he he, I see a lot of it here in America, to be honest with you, politicians taking power in deceitful manners. Hitler did the same thing, just slowly wormed his way in, Uh, to the top office, and then he viciously murdered millions, creating a chaos and destruction that is still burnt deeply into the memory of the modern world. In the midst of all this was this Lutheran pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who found himself caught up in something much bigger than he could understand. What he did know is that a very grave injustice was happening... But how to correct this injustice eluded him. In this podcast today, I'm going to lay out principles that work, and I have laid out principles that work, but also that can be tested to the nth degree in horrific circumstances. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pacifist, and Uh, You think of Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., peaceful resistance or pacifism. And he was a pacifist, but he was faced with the daunting task to understand what peaceful resistance and what justice looked like in this situation concerning Adolf Hitler. Uh, In a time that was so dark and the struggle was so deep, what was right and what was wrong it just became a a very much a crisis of conscience for bonhoeffer and we're going to talk today about how like bonhoeffer do you understand what justice looks like when the line the injustice is so dark and so tragic that the lines of right and wrong get blurred uh, there are times when understanding what justice looks like gets very messing and confusing, and we're going to look at how do you deal with that uh, today. Now, as we begin, let's look at Bonhoeffer's dilemma. He had a real dilemma going on. Uh, just to give you a little background on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he grew up uh, in Germany in the high society. Uh, his father uh, was a leading German psychiatrist, uh, and... Bonhoeffer grew up with the likes of Albert Einstein and others who would come over for dinner and was friends of the family. So he was rubbing shoulders as a child with the likes of Einstein and others, kind of similar to John the Baptist. If you study uh, John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, who was Jesus' cousin and who was the prophet who came and announced the coming of Jesus— John the Baptist was a lot like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mean, he was a um, uh, high society. His, his father, as we know from scriptures, was the high priest. So that meant that they had money and that they lived in Jerusalem and they, they, they would have <clears throat> rubbed shoulders and had dinner guests that were the top-notch people of Jewish society of that day. So John the Baptist was, grew up with lifestyles of the rich and famous, so to speak. And he rejects all of that, goes out into the desert, becomes a poor man, and becomes a prophet, kind of like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who grew up in that high society in Germany but rejected it and said, I cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and continue to live this way. Not in the high society, but in the whole context of Nazi Germany, cannot bow down to Caesar. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor. Uh... And uh, he's also a professor. And the Lutheran Church was the state religion of Germany. Uh, Of course, that makes sense. I mean, Martin Luther, the one who broke off the Catholic Church and started the Lutherans, uh, you know, was from Germany. It was the state religion, and pastors were paid their salaries by the state. Now, Hitler made a deal because Hitler, you know, ever— The politician that he was, even if he was atheist and against Christianity, he still was a politician and he knew he had to make deals with Christians. So Hitler made a deal. As long as you don't oppose me, you can still get paid and keep going as if nothing was happening. And so the majority of Lutheran pastors made the deal with Hitler, kept their salaries and comfortable lifestyles, and didn't say anything against Hitler. Well, Bonhoeffer was shocked at this. He's like, how can this be? I, how Bonhoeffer could not imagine, how do you make a deal with Adolf Hitler? And that was, of course, <clears throat> the uh, struggle the early Christians had, is the struggle of how do you live in a society where we cannot make a deal with Nero and Caesar Augustus and different ones. We know we're going to die if we don't. Yeah, how do we do this? And, of course, we know that the majority of the early Christians chose not to go along with Caesar. But, sadly, the vast majority of Lutheran pastors in Germany did go along with Hitler, and Bonhoeffer could not, and so he began what is known as the Confessing Church. Now, I encourage you to study the history of the Confessing Church, I know there's churches here in uh, my hometown, Portland, Oregon, who call themselves Confessing Churches, Uh, great pastors of those churches, uh, have much respect for them, but as an oversimplification, and I want to make sure you understand that as an oversimplification, Bonhoeffer began the Confessing Church in reaction to this deal that Hitler was trying to make, and so the Confessing Church became the Church of Opposition in Germany. And there were other leaders. I don't want to name names right now, but there were other leaders involved with Bonhoeffer in the formation, and it wasn't like Bonhoeffer just up one day and starts. It's a whole history of the Confessing Church. But just as a simplification, Bonhoeffer, one of the main players in that. Now, what the Confessing Church is, is an opposition movement of Protestant churches to Hitler, Hitler's attempt to unify the Protestant churches to be pro-Nazi. So what Hitler was thinking is he could unify the Protestant churches into a unified pro-Nazi evangelical church. Not because he was religious, obviously, but because he was a politician. Kind of like a wicked pope, so to speak, unifying, you know, bringing that unity there about a fake Pope, so to speak, but Bonhoeffer realized he had to make a choice, live free by aligning with Caesar or die in a concentration camp by proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he chose to die in the concentration camp and and he did die. We'll talk about that later, but I want to talk about something really radical here at this point. About two thousand years ago, you've got St. Paul, the Apostle, who is who grew up in the Roman Empire, uh, and he, you know lived his whole life in the Roman Empire and even died in the city of Rome. And Nero had um, uh, who was responsible for putting Paul and Peter to death. Nero, one of the most wicked men to ever live. I mean, you know, in our modern society, we think of Hitler as the standard of pure evil, but, you know, in his day, Nero was the standard of pure evil. And Nero had proclaimed that in order to be in good favor with Rome, you had to proclaim Caesar Nero is Lord. You had to say that. Uh, Kind of like the Heil Hitler, I guess it would be. So in Philippians... When St. Paul makes the statement that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In our modern thinking, we have lost the absolute radical nature of what St. Paul's getting at here. And the backdrop of this violent and vile Roman Empire where people were required to proclaim that Caesar Nero is Lord, Saint Paul, this guy in prison, proclaims to the world, No, I'm sorry, but someday every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Very radical in this nature. And so Bonhoeffer, in seeing what Saint Paul had to say, he's like, in order to live right amongst this madman of Adolf Hitler, I will not say Heil Hitler. I will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as I said, Bonhoeffer was shocked that most pastors aligned with Hitler in order to maintain their worldly comforts. But we do that all the time. We see that in the modern Christianity, both Catholics and Protestants. Here in America, especially, we see I see Catholics and Protestants all the time aligning with the U.S. government and making compromises with the U.S. government in order to maintain comfort and safety. But God has not called us to comfort and safety. He's called us to radical discipleship. Now, if you have not read The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's a must read. It's just one of the most impactful books in my whole life. The Cost of Discipleship, In that, Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the call. And so the dilemma for Bonhoeffer then was twofold. First, go with the flow and be safe with humans or come under God's judgment. That was one. Do I play it safe with God through radical discipleship, or do I play it safe with humans? Now, Jesus said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot harm your soul. Rather, fear him who can take your body and soul and cast them both into hell. The other dilemma that Bonhoeffer faced, and here's where social justice really comes into play. Do I assassinate Hitler or do I do peaceful resistance? And by the way, Pope Pius the You should read about Pope Pius the There's a book uh, <clears throat> that I've read that's that's very historically insightful into what was going on with the Pope and Hitler. Pope Pius the Pope Pius the Eleventh was the first um, uh, Pope uh, when Hitler came into power, and then, but for most of Hitler's reign, it was Pope Pius the and Pope Pius XII had the same dilemma because he just like, do we get rid of this madman? <laughs> How do we handle this as the church? So the Pope was struggling. How do I deal with Hitler? Bonhoeffer struggling with that. Do I assassinate? Is there a time in social justice where murder becomes a viable alternative in order to save lives. And that was where Bonhoeffer was struggling. The lines are blurred. Should I take Hitler's life in order to save multitudes of people? And so there are going to be times where all these principles that we talk about in these podcasts are going to get tested because the lines get so blurred because the wickedness of the injustice is so bad that you aren't going to know exactly what's right and wrong in a certain circumstance and i'm not talking about relativism where truth is only determined by the circumstances i'm not talking about that at all i'm talking about where you can't figure out what the truth is because the hour is so dark now that was bonhoeffer's dilemma let's talk about bonhoeffer's decision what did he decide to do now keep in mind that in the 1930s and 40s, Germany was in complete chaos. I mean, imagine tanks rolling down the main streets of your cities. Imagine bombed out buildings. Imagine concentration camps. Imagine the smell of burnt flesh. Imagine military everywhere. Imagine complete totalitarian control by the government. Imagine when you talk on the phone that The government was listening in, which a lot of people believe that's what's happening with our smartphones now. Can you imagine, by the way, if Hitler had hold of our modern technology? Oh, man, I can't believe what he was able to accomplish with the technology they had back then. But it was in total chaos in Germany in that time. So in the midst of a dark hour of complete, absolute chaos, what in the world does justice look like? As I said, does murder become a viable option? Does taking up a weapon? Like at one point where Jesus tells Peter, put down your sword. After Peter cut off the, the, the guards uh, Roman guard's ear, he says, put down your sword, because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. But there was a point later where Jesus told disciples, take up your sword. Take a sword with you when you go. <clears throat> In other words, it's not always so black and white. When it comes to justice, sometimes it's just not going to make sense, and you're going to have to do some super deep prayer during those times. Because, you see, these principles that we often talk about are all well and good in the suburbs. But what does it look like in the gang-infested ghettos? What does it look like in Nazi Germany? What does it look like in Rwanda? What do these principles look like in Sudan? So Bonhoeffer had to make a decision. Do I kill the madman or use peaceful resistance? Now, during this time, Bonhoeffer, obviously the confessing church, being in opposition to Hitler, would not have been accepted in Germany. So Bonhoeffer started an underground seminary training pastors. And what ended up happening during this time is Bonhoeffer ended up becoming a spy and making an attempt on Hitler's life. Now, Bonhoeffer, I don't believe he actually made the physical attempt on Hitler's life, but he was found to be connected to this group of spies. And he was arrested and ended up in the concentration camp. Actually, he was moved to various concentration camps, but he ended up being hung while naked. And so he realized... In order to radically follow Jesus Christ in this moment, it requires my life. And here, and we're going to talk about Bonhoeffer's justice here in a moment, but here is where we get to the crux of real social justice, (laughs) is that I am willing to die rather than to go along with the injustice, even though the one who's creating the injustice, even though they are promising me safety and comfort if I go along with them. I am willing to die rather than to stand by and watch the Jews and watch the black people and all the various groups that Hitler was murdering. I'm willing to die rather than watch them die. You see, we'll talk about someone else who did that, the Catholic saint as well in a moment. Now let's look at Bonhoeffer's theology. He was a Protestant pastor. And while I don't want to get into a deep discussion of Bonhoeffer's theology, his view of grace should give us understanding into his view of justice. In The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace. This is a view of God's grace that God just gives unlimited grace and asks nothing of us. He referred to modern Christianity as Christian worldliness. He says this, and I quote, Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance baptism without church discipline communion without confession cheap grace is grace without discipleship grace without the cross grace without jesus christ living and incarnate so Bonhoeffer and we see he, he actually talks a lot about social justice, but in his view, social justice and from that, uh, the, the root of social justice, being a disciple of Christ, it comes at a cost. That's why Jesus told the people of his day, anyone who would follow me, let them count the cost. And then pick up their cross and follow me. You see, it's not easy. People always act like Christians are wimps, but we're not wimps. It's hard to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's extremely hard, and it has cost countless millions their lives. You think that's wimpy? You think it's wimpy to go into the Roman Colosseum knowing that lions are going to tear you apart and go into the Colosseum with a smile on your face because you're about to enter heaven? Do you think it's easy in Africa for Christians to be brutally tortured and put to death or in the Middle East? It's not easy at all. There are no wimps. And that's what Bonhoeffer talks about in the next quote where he talks about costly grace. So the alternative to cheap grace is costly grace. So Bonhoeffer says, It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. And then Bonhoeffer quotes, you were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. And so when it comes now to social justice, what Bonhoeffer teaches us is if we're going to obey God and house the homeless, welcome the immigrants and refugees, visit the sick, visit those in prison, clothe the naked, feed the hungry. If we're going to do those things, it's we can no longer... Take the cheap and easy path of programs and say, here, I'm going to check in now, clock in, here's your bread, here's your peanut butter, there, I fed the hungry. No, what Bonhoeffer's saying is you got to give it all. That's why Jesus told the, the rich young ruler, he says, if you want eternal life, then you must sell everything you have, give the money to the poor sell everything you have give the money to the poor and then pick up your cross and follow me so what bonhoeffer advocated for then was <clears throat> cruciformity now that's a new term i want to introduce here is cruciformity the idea that a disciple of jesus christ is conformed they become one with the cross and thus receives grace through suffering and through death therefore when someone like hitler comes into power, one must choose between the comforts of Caesar or the sufferings of the cross, which leads to eternal life. So for Bonhoeffer, who, who, by the way, protested very early on, Bonhoeffer was one of the first voices protesting and exposing Hitler for who he was. So for Bonhoeffer, who protested early on with Hitler and who defended the Jews vehemently, Justice looked like the cross, laying down my life for those who are suffering injustice. Hence, now we can understand Mother Teresa more fully as she laid down her life, choosing the life of the cross for those who are suffering. You see, now it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Mother Teresa wasn't just on the front, front and center, and getting her picture taken <laughs> all the time. Very early in the morning, she would go clean the bathrooms that were completely stinky, completely uh, messed up because sick people were using those bathrooms, and she cleaned those bathrooms. What was she doing? She was living in cruciformity, in conformity with the cross. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer then makes it clear for us, when justice gets messy and the lines get blurred, I choose not my own comfort, rather I choose death so that others may live. I go without so that they may have. I skip a meal so that they who have not eaten for a long time may eat. And that's what the answer from Bonhoeffer is for social justice. When it gets messy, when it gets blurry, I choose death that others may have life. I like what the scripture says that Jesus became poor so that we may become rich. Therefore, Bonhoeffer chose to take part in an attempt on Hitler's life, knowing that it could cost him of his life if it got goofed up. And so he took part in an attempt on Hitler's life, was arrested and put in a concentration camp and hung. And when he was going to be hung, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's last words were, this is the end, but for me, it is the beginning of life. I wanted to, I wrote down some quotes, a couple quotes of Bonhoeffer's just to kind of give you some understanding of his thoughts on justice. He says, How should one become arrogant over successes or shaken by one's failures when one shares in God's suffering in the life of this world? You understand what I mean, even when I put it so briefly. I am grateful that I have been allowed this insight, and I know that it is only on the path that I have finally taken that I was able to learn this. So I am thinking gratefully and with peace of mind about past as well as present things, May God lead us kindly through these times, but above all, may God lead us to himself. And then one more quote from Bonhoeffer. We are not, and this, if you, if you want to get to the absolute center of Bonhoeffer's theology on social justice, he says, we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the will itself. I want to say that again. We are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wills of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the will itself. Don't just heal the wounds of those suffering injustice at the hands of the system. Screw up the system (laughs) so that it cannot continue to do. It's vile work against the vulnerable. So we learn from Bonhoeffer that the call of a disciple of Christ is the call to radical love. A call to death in order to have life. A call to die for the sake of those who suffer injustice. Bonhoeffer shakes us out of our comfortable social justice, and I put that in quotes, and calls us into a work of justice that demands conformity to the cross. It is no longer about holding signs and protest, writing an article in the paper, or yelling about something then going back to our comfortable home. Justice becomes the life of self-sacrifice, a radical love that moves into the darkness of injustice that allows ourselves to be surrounded by enemies, and that when the work is done, Rather than going back to a comfortable home, we just might be going to a concentration camp to the place of our death. The real work of justice is radical in its nature and loves in a way that the world will never know. Another person of interest in the Nazi era who I alluded to earlier is St. Maximilian Kolbe. He was a Catholic priest who was taken to Auschwitz and died at Auschwitz concentration camp. He had the opportunity for release, but instead of being released from Auschwitz, he chose death instead of as an act of justice. There was a man standing in the line at the prison who begged the guards to let him go because he had a wife and children. And St. Maximilian Colby courageously and justly spoke up and asked the guard to let the man go home and that he would take the man's place. Colby died in Auschwitz. We may or we may not die in a concentration camp for standing for justice, but we are called to lay it all down for those who suffer injustice. Will you lay it all down as you seek to create a just society right where you are? You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatardayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.